Good morning, 2017. Happy New Year. Uh, Y'all, a lot of you are probably like me. I just tend to go to bed early, even on New Year's Eve. I don't know. It's just me. I just do that. I'm an, I'm an early to bed kind of guy. Every once in a while, I'll stay up late. But, but uh, if you're here at the 815 service, I'm going to assume you did not stay up into the wee hours of the night. I want to get started this morning with a blessing because we're starting the Body and Soul series today. Uh, I just ran across this in my Bible reading this week, and a blessing from John, he writes this. He says, Dear friend, this is 3 John verse 2. He says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. I like that. That is a good body and soul blessing. So would you speak this aloud with me over your neighbors around you this morning as we get started in 2017? Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. And I want that for you in 2017, a healthy body, a strong spirit so that you can serve the Lord like never before. Well, January the 1st, is that time when pretty much everybody universally is thinking about uh, beginnings, right? Fresh start, uh, a clean slate, uh, and the book of beginnings in the Bible, of course, is the book of Genesis, and it talks about, in that first chapter, the original beginning. And it talks about how God made the stars, and God made the planets. God created the plants, and God created the animals. And every time God finishes creating, he ends one of those days of creation, it says, and it was good. God was making all sorts of things, and it was good. And then the Bible gets to us. The Bible gets to men and women. God makes us, and he does something different, doesn't he? We're not just physical beings. We're physical and spiritual beings because he has put in us his image, we are told in the book of Genesis. Um, this is from uh, Genesis 1:26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And after God makes us, on that day it says something different, the little summary statement. It doesn't say it was good. It says, and it was very good. When God made us, it was very good because he had made something remarkable, something he had not made in any other corner of creation. He had put the physical and the spiritual together in one place. He joined in us flesh and spirit, and when he did that, he said, that's very good. <laughs> that's really good work. Um, this morning, we're launching this series, Body and Soul. And my prayer for you is that you and I and each one of us can say, along with, as David said in Psalm 139, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Now, that is not self-congratulations. Uh, that is not uh, David being full of himself. That is David finding a reason to praise God in the way he is made, the way he has been designed. He's giving credit to God, and I hope that you can feel that as well as you worship God and thank him for being fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I'll say this. I know, I know there are things about yourself that you don't like. Everybody in the world has a thing or two they like to change about their body, about themselves. But don't lose sight 
of the wonderfulness that is you. Don't despise what God has declared to be very good. Okay? Don't do that. So here's the thing. Much of the Bible is actually dedicated to helping us learn how to take care of the amazing work of art that is us. God made us body and soul. He designed each one of us to bring him glory in what we say and what we do. He created us to be his instruments of grace and peace in this world. Um, And so, accompanying this series, um, there's going to be a little promotional work here. There's going to be, there is a Facebook page. Not there's going to be. There already is a Facebook page, Body and Soul. Uh, You can join that by going to the... um, the Preston Crest Facebook page, and you'll see that listed as an event. It's up and running. Dozens of you are already on there sharing. It's already been an encouragement to me and hopefully to many others uh, as we've gotten started. You can just join that. And thanks to Jennifer Liebel and Angie Maddox for getting that up and running. Uh, and then next week, a little another promo next week, very exciting. The only reason I didn't show this today was I thought we might have a little bit of a down crowd on January the 1st. But next week, Lisa Kilgore, one of our members, is going to be sharing her story on a video that we produced a couple of weeks ago. And it will, I guarantee you, it will inspire you. So be sure to tune in next week to hear Lisa share her amazing story. Now, we got a lot of preamble stuff today, uh, uh, things that I think we need to get cleared up before we dive in. So more preamble. I, I just wanted to share with you, as we come into this series, a few kind of assumptions that I'm operating with in this series. And these may not be shared assumptions, all right? Uh, but I am coming at this from certainly a Christian point of view. Now, if you're not a believer, I think there are still th- some things, hopefully, that you can glean and learn from the series. But we are certainly working with a Christian assumption because we're going to be working with texts from the Holy Scriptures that were written primarily to believers like us from that assumption, that they know that God made them, that God has a calling on their life. So there's that. The second assumption would be this. Um, You're probably not used to hearing uh, talk about the body at church, okay? And we're going to get into that a little bit as we dive into Corinthians, why that has happened, this separation between body talk and soul talk. Um, You probably haven't heard a sermon series that talks about body and soul. You've probably heard a lot of sermons about the soul, not so much about the body. It's not really something we do at church very much. So that's an assumption that you haven't heard much about that. And the third assumption would be this. It is that most people, most people around us have ideas about the body that have been formed mostly by culture, not Christ. Okay? Ideas about their body, about bodies in general that are formed by culture, not Christ. Let me cash that out a little bit. Um, When it comes to our bodies, uh, the culture basically says what really matters is that you have an attractive body. Okay, That's what really, really matters, how sexy you are. And our culture uh, thinks also right at the top is what really matters when it comes to the body is gratifying the body, is, is satisfying the whims and desires of the body, you know, pleasure. And that's pretty much it. Looking good, staying fit, you know, well, I mean, how you look, how you feel, and, take, and, and having fun, that's really what it's about. So I, I kind of look at it this way. To the culture, your body is either, or both, and or, um, a poster 
or an RV, all right? It's a poster because you're going to do everything you can to make it look good, to project a facade of, of well-being and attractiveness, and then it's a recreational vehicle, right? I mean, um, it's this idea that there are few things more important in, in America 2017 than having a good time. Uh, the search for pleasure is paramount, all right, when it comes to the body. So those are, those are the three kind of assumptions that I'll be working with, and we hope to change those, right? We hope to change those as we encounter the truth, as we encounter what God, the Creator, says about you and about your body. And here's where we're going to start. Um, the Bible gives us several helpful truths, I think transformative truths, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, that can begin this process of reshaping how we see ourselves, body and soul. Like I said, a lot of preamble today, so just a little bit more. Stick with me. Don't check out yet, because we need to talk a little bit, Dino, about Corinth, okay, about first century Corinth, about what was going on there. We're reading other people's mail this morning, okay? Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. It's for us too, but he wrote it that original line. So as we read their mail, let's kind of understand what was going on in the Greek culture around them at that time time. There was some bad behavior going on in the church. There was some bad thinking, and that was very influenced by the Greek philosophies of the day. Now, one thing that the philosophies of the day in ancient Greece and ancient Rome would have had in common was this. The body and the soul are two fundamentally different things, but beyond that, they are separate things, and beyond that, for the most part, they agreed that the body and the soul are living in hostility with one another. Now, the word for this, if you were going to a philosophy class today, would be dualism. Dualism. They are two totally different things, the physical and the spiritual, different and distinct. Salvation for the Greeks meant getting free from your body. Okay? Salvation from the physical. Now, these philosophies went totally different directions, okay? Two different extremes and everything in between when it came to this idea. At one extreme, you had the hedonists, and, I, and you probably know what that word hedonism means. Since the body and soul were fundamentally separate and different, you could do whatever you wanted with your body. It didn't matter. Disposable worthless, the body. So just do whatever you want with it. It doesn't really matter. You can indulge any whim, satisfy any desire, and spiritually none of that matters because what you do with the body doesn't affect the soul. Okay? So hedonism. The other extreme, and I bet you've heard this word, stoicism. The Stoics believed the body to be bad. A disposable flesh wrap, uh, wrapping or almost a flesh prison entrapping the soul, uh, which is the thing of true value, the soul, not the body. So they encouraged a life of denying the body pleasure, all right? So the hedonists threw themselves into pleasure. The sto on the other extreme said no pleasure at all. In fact, they would go as far as to, the, in asceticism, a form of that, they would go as far to, to 
to hurt themselves, right? Deny themselves and even do some self-mutilation as a spiritual practice to show that the body didn't matter, it was the soul that mattered, and, and they would almost live to punish the body. Well, by the way, this explains why so many of the Greeks, whether hedonists or Stoics, had such a big problem with Christianity and why Paul is going to have to address Jesus Christ, God, in bodily form very directly when it came to the Greek culture in the letters to Greek churches. Because this idea of the incarnation of God into human form, God in a body, and then the crucifixion, the physical death, and then resurrection of the body of God's body, to the Greeks, Paul is going to say four times in this letter of 1 Corinthians, it was foolishness, lunacy, bonkers. Christianity was nuts. God in a, in a body? I mean, the goal is to get free from the body. God in a, in a body? That body being crucified, and then instead of just kind of being the soul set free, that body raises from death to life. I mean, Jesus is eating fish. He's making breakfast. He's hugging people after he died in his race. And then that body ascends to heaven. So Paul has to address this because they're like, the body's bad. That's, that, your religion is crazy. Your religion is completely nuts. So to say they had a hard time with this idea that God becoming incarnate, uh, that would be an understatement, okay? So, with that backdrop, and with whatever baggage that we carry as a culture with us, here are several things, just in chapter 6, that Paul is going to say to the Corinthians, all right? The first thing he is going to tell them is this. This is on your outline this morning. He is going to tell them, look, my body is a temple. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, So, I was made to worship. This is supposed to be a, a worshipful thing, the body. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's chapter 6, verse 19. And let's put that up. Chapter 6, verse 19. Put that up, and we will read this together. Uh, if you would read this together. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? That's his question. Hey, guys, Corinthians, don't you know? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in your body. Um, you didn't come this morning, guys. You didn't come to the temple to worship. You brought the temple with you when you came, all right? That's the Christian theology of the body. Um, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a sacred space, a poster, an RV. I don't think so. You are so much more, Paul says, than how you look or than how much you weigh or than whether your hair is falling out or not. You are the dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's question to these Corinthians who were so misled and confused by the philosophies of their day that diminished the body, his question was, don't you know? Don't you realize what this is, this temple of the Holy Spirit? 
not just a personal playground, not just a poster to impress others. Designed, this body is designed for the worship and adoration of the living God. So, just thinking in our context, just think about sex for a moment and how this view of the temple affects that. What does the culture basically say? I mean, very simply, uh, sex is a physical act. That's what the culture, I don't know that they say that, uh, but that's what is the operating uh, assumption there. Sex is a physical act. Uh, So it doesn't matter a lot um, whether you have sex in marriage or outside of marriage. It doesn't matter a whole lot um, who you have sex with. Um, it's, It's a physical transaction. Okay, that's what it is. Um, so it involves two things. It involves one, pleasure. It involves two, human reproduction, end of story. That's the cultural, the prevailing, I'm sure that was in Corinth, and it absolutely is today, the prevailing culture view. It's for pleasure, it's for reproduction, that's it, it's a physical act. But Paul, if he's right, Paul is saying there's a lot more going on. Yes, it can be enjoyable. And yes, absolutely, it is, a, it is necessary for human reproduction. But if Paul's right, then the act of sex involves the soul in a very deep and mysterious way and not just the body. And that might explain why sex crimes and why sexual sin imprint themselves so deeply on on us as human beings. If you're a victim of something like that, or if you've committed a sexual sin, that's why those things are so long-lasting, why there's often years of therapy that follow traumatic events like that, because it's not just a physical act. It's not just like eating a hamburger or something. There is no such thing as casual sex because it's never just physical. There is a spiritual dimension going on, a deep mystery to our sexuality because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul wanted this truth to shape the thinking of the folks in Corinth, and we 100% need it to reshape our thinking. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I was made to worship God in body and soul. And you see Jesus talking about this as well. Uh, One of the strangest passages in the New Testament, maybe, is where Jesus talks, I think it's Mark chapter 12. uh, No, not not Mark chapter 12. But but Jesus is going to talk about, you know, if your hand offends you or your eye causes you to, you know, pluck out your eye or cut off your hand. He's not saying to literally do that, but Jesus is certainly telling us that the body and the soul are intertwined. They're not, they're not separable things, okay? So, and Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, the greatest command, you remember the greatest command, the greatest command is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It is the greatest command. It is to love the Lord your God. I guess my paraphrase there would be body and soul. Love the Lord your God with everything. Um, The second transformative truth is this. Number two, my body is a tool. I was made to serve. I am an instrument in the hands of the living God 
for his purposes and for his important work. My body is a tool. And the verse that we have here is when Paul tells them in verse 15, our bodies are members of Christ himself. Would you read that with me? Our bodies are members of Christ himself. We are the hands and the feet of Christ Jesus. Physical instruments of God, of his power, of his grace, of his love in this broken world. Um, You are the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, You know, Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, if you give a cup of water to somebody who's thirsty, if you serve somebody in need, it is like he is serving through you. The church is called the body of Christ. We are the physical manifestation. You are part of that, right? So when we serve, it's as if Jesus is serving through us. Now, we're made to serve. Our bodies are members of Christ himself. Finally, to these very confused Corinthians, Paul says this, the third truth this morning, my body is a trust which belongs to God. You could even put a treasure which belongs to God. Uh, It is something of value. Uh, My body is a trust which belongs to God. I was made to take care of God's property. Now, this is going to be the most countercultural of these three ideas Paul is going to give us this morning. Here it is. My body is a trust which belongs to God. I was made to take care of God's property. Now, here's what... Paul is going to tell them in verse 20, and if you would read this with me in verse 20, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Talk about challenging the, the assumptions. I'm sure not only of, of the first century, but, but absolutely for sure uh, the 21st century. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Because it's pretty much a given these days that people assume their body is theirs. My body is mine. To challenge that is radical. And at the heart of the Corinthian culture and the heart of our culture today is this belief that I am the Lord of my body. Okay, Um, I get to do with it whatever I choose to do. Whether it's for good or ill, as long as I'm not hurting anybody. And so, if, it, if this means I'm going to be obsessed with my body, and I'm going to get neurotic about workouts and about my diet, then that's what I'm going to do. And there are circles today where there is an almost idolatrous fixation on the health of the body. Um, if I want to have sex with someone, the only rule is that they consent Um, It's my body, it's your body, Uh, so we get confused about our sexuality uh, because it's just physical. It's just about gratification, Um, and so we end up treating others as objects to be used. Um, If my body is mine, then nobody gets to tell me I'm not going to have an abortion. And so we we live in a country where there's roughly a million abortions every year, okay, because it's my body. I'll do with it what I want. It's my right. Um, If my body is mine, then I get to choose my own sexuality. 
I'll follow my own tendencies, my own desires. I'll make my choices about that because my body is mine. And that assumption, don't need to tell you, no news alert here, it is an assumption. It is at work all across our country from the Supreme Court on down. No wonder we live in this time where we have these really bizarre debates going on about locker rooms and bathrooms, about guys choosing to identify themselves as women and women declaring that they are men, and we have teens who are completely and utterly confused. Uh, now there's this idea of being gender fluid. Have you heard that one? Like you wake up one morning and you decide you're a man, but tomorrow you may identify yourself as a woman. You talk about confusion, right? Um, or, okay, switch gears a little bit. If my body is mine, then I can sit around on the couch and eat Twinkies and Fruit Loops all day because that's not your business. It's my body. Well, Lots of assumptions all over the place. You can see how confusing and unhealthy things get when you lose sight of whose body this really is. It is not mine, is it? It's not yours, is it? And you get to see, I think, why we live in a time where things are so confusing because it's no longer a given uh, the reality of the body, it's not a given. It's not something fixed anymore. It's something you treat as an object. It's something since you're lord of your body, you get to change, manipulate, uh, decide anything you want at your own personal discretion. And that may sound like a rant about contemporary culture, certainly not intended to be, uh, because those are many of the same issues that were playing out in first century Corinth. They're not really all that new. Um, uh, and so it all comes from that assumption, my body is mine. And Paul says, not so fast. He says, to those believers in Corinth, he says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Or he could have even say, said, honor God with his body right? Um, God made you, for starters. You did not self-create, okay? He made you. He made you body and soul with all your foibles and your imperfections. Uh, the master craftsman made you to be his masterpiece. So we've got this assumption working, and it gets things confused, and Paul is calling us back to the truth. Not only did God make you but Jesus Christ died for you and was raised for you, and your eternal future, the transformation of your mortal body into a glorious resurrection body, that is completely in his hands as well. You're not going to pull that off either. That's for God to do. You aren't yours. Your body belongs to God. He is merely allowing you to use it. He has gifted you with a body. So, can we talk about the body in church? You bet we can. And we absolutely should talk about it in church. Unfortunately, the misguided, confused dualism of Greek philosophy continues to invade our thinking even in church. Uh, here's the bottom line this morning, and I want you to write this down on your outline. Very simply, God cares about 
my body. God cares about my body. Paul tells him that straight up. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. The Lord cares about our bodies. So this morning, here's what I want you to hear. God cares about you. He cares about all of you, body and soul. He knows about your hurts. He knows about your struggles. He cares about your failures. He knows about your weaknesses. He cares about you, the total, complete you. Uh, In Christ Jesus, we have a living hope, don't we? Um, The past, as we come into a new year, we believe the past does not have to determine the future because we have a hope in Christ outside of ourselves. Uh, If you're a believer, I think this is the time, the beginning of a new year, it is a time for rededication, right? It is a time to, for one thing, to dedicate your temple, your body, to the Lord. Just, Just pray, Lord, I exist for the worship of you. I exist for the glory of you. And it's a time to dedicate yourself to loving and serving a broken world. Lord, my body is a tool to be used at your discretion to bring your blessing into the world around me. I'm at your disposal. I'm yours. And then third, it's a time to dedicate yourself or rededicate yourself to taking care of yourself, okay? To taking care of yourself. Lord, I recognize that I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. So help me to take care of your property, my body. All right. If you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ this morning, you can give yourself to him today, proclaiming him to be Lord of your life and it's interesting, really, in the Bible, instead of giving us some, some totally vague, airy idea about the salvation moment, the Lord gifts us with baptism, which is a, mo- it is a physical and spiritual act, isn't it? Where you physically go into the waters of baptism, your body is covered up, your, all of you is covered up. And you raise to a new life in Jesus Christ. And you can join your life to Jesus this morning by being baptized. Or maybe you just need prayers and we would love to pray with you this morning as well. Let's respond by standing and singing together. In 